0: Welcome to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. So the book of Galatians, who wrote it? Well, it was written by the Apostle Paul. Who is the Apostle Paul? Well, um, he's not really a pastor, but he was more of a church planner. He was, he was a gospel Carrier, and he was called to bring the gospel to non Jews. If you're thinking, okay, well, who are non Jews? Well, the Bible refers to him as Gentiles. So anybody really that wasn't a Jew was a Gentile. Gentile. And so, Paul mostly traveled around modern Turkey, west of Israel. And what he would do is he would go in and he would plant a church and he would raise up a pastor and he would set up leadership. And and to maintain these churches, he would write letters. And so, most of your New Testament is filled full of writings from the Apostle Paul or by the Apostle Paul that were letters that he would write to these churches. Some of the letters he would write to churches, and some of them he would write to pastors. These letters that he would write to the churches was called epistles. And so as you look at your Bible and you see, you know, the book of Colossians, he was writing to the churches in Colossae or Corinthians to the, to the Corinthian people or, you know, Philippians to, and so on. Right. And so he was writing to a group of people, the churches, but then some of his books weren't named by these geographic locations, but they were named by 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 people, right? And so he would write not to churches, but he would write to the pastors, such as Timothy. And so he would write to Pastor Timothy. And so when you read Paul's Um, books, when you read the epistles and, you know, the writings by Paul, what you get is a lot of sound doctrine. You get a lot of teaching from Paul to the churches. And so this is really good for us because we have an inside peek of like, you know, this great apostle that's come in and, you know, been called by God to preach the gospel to Gentiles and, and giving us what it means and the tools to follow God and to live in freedom and understand the gospel, and so here we we have the book of Galatians, and it was written to the people in Galatia, and so if you want to look that up, it's it's right in the heart, really, of what would be today modern Turkey, and so what has happened is after Paul has went in and established the church, and he has left some Jewish Christians who really didn't have grounded doctrine and really didn't, you know. Um, um, I guess they just, really the best way to describe it is they really just weren't grounded yet in their faith. They started telling new Christians they were doing it wrong. And so Paul hears about it, and the book of Galatians really is a very corrective letter to the churches there. Where Paul talks about how to stay free and keep the right perspective of the gospel. And so that's what I want to talk today about. I want to to talk through the book of Galatians and Paul's idea of the right gospel or the true gospel gospel. Most of chapter one is quite a bit of historical information. And so we're not going to read through all of it, but I do want to pull a portion out about five or six verses of scripture that I think kind of speak to the heart of not only maybe the chapter, but the whole book. And so if you have your Bible, you'll want to turn to that. And Paul really is describing two different paths as we jump in today. Um, how many of you know, sometimes in life, uh, there, there's, there's multiple ways to get somewhere, Right, there's, there's, there's multiple paths, and some paths are easy, and some paths you can make it pretty difficult on yourself. So a few, uh, I guess it was about a month ago, a few weeks ago, I went camping uh, with my five-year-old and some other four- and five-year-olds. How many of you know that's a great trip? Yeah. Yeah. It was cold, actually. I don't know if we should have done it. It was like 30 degrees. Um, I'm not lying, am I, Chris? Am I lying? He was with me. Uh, It was about 30 degrees outside, and us dads, we're really brave, and we're men, and so we decided we would teach our children how to be men. I don't know if that was a good idea, but we did it anyways, and so we had this beautiful evening around the fire, and then we had a miserable night sleeping in our tents, but then the sun came up again the next day, and so we got outside our tents, and after um, we had had breakfast, we decided we were going to go on a hike. Well, Raul, one of the dads that had went with us, had taken the kids kind of off far on the path and they were hiding from us. And so as the dads begin to get on the path and we were wondering where our kids were, out of nowhere pop a group of kids uh, that were so excited that they had hid from us, they wanted to scare us. And so they scared us a little bit. And I think that gave them some confidence in that moment. So they decided at that point in the day, they were gonna be the leaders of the hike. And they were going to show us the path that we should follow. And so we started taking this hike and I don't know, it was supposed to be a mile or I don't know how long it was. It wasn't supposed to be very long, but it ended up being quite an adventure because there is a right path that is an easy path that is laid out, that is marked, that you walk on and the trail is cut out for you. It is obvious and clear and wide. And then there is another path at the top of the mountain that is really no path at all. (laughs) And so we get to the top of the mountain, we decide we're going to take a picture, and I don't know what happened in that moment, but we take a picture, and after that, we look for the path, and it is nowhere to be found. And one of the children, or one of the dads, I don't know who it is to blame, decided the path is this way. Directionally, camp was back that way. But the path was not that way. Well, we started following this different path, this harder way, this way that wasn't really clear. And when we get to a point where the, the flatness of the plain, where we were on top of the mountain, begins to flatten out. And now there's just a drop off. We realize there is no turning back. And the only way down the mountain and back up the next mountain to get back to camp is to go down it and then go up it with five-year-olds. And so guess what we did? We're men. We're teaching our kids to be men. We chose the different path, the harder path, because we felt like maybe we could boast a little bit that in doing so that we were real men and real dads. And so we let our kids crawl down a mountain and hike back up another one. In fact, at one point, the Saxons were with us. I'm not throwing them under the bus. They're not here today. And so it's fine. They won't even know I'm talking about them. Josh, he was, I don't know, army ranger or something. I mean, he's a man's man, and his little kid was with him, Bo, three years old. Josh climbs up the mountain, Bo is at the bottom still, and he's yelling, come on, Bo, you can do this, man up. Three-year-old climbed up the mountain all by himself. All you dads, there you go. But here's why this matters, and here's why I told that story today. Sometimes in life there are multiple paths. There's a right path, and then there's a path that is really no path at all. And as we open up the book of Galatians, that's what we see. We see Paul after he kind of opens up the chapter, and we'll open up the chapter with Paul. He says this. He says, "Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor by man, but sent by Jesus Christ." And so Paul was sent by God, God the Father, who was raised from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me, he was sent to go preach the gospel. It says, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil. And so he starts off, and I mean, he's laying the gospel out immediately. Hey, Jesus Christ, guess what he came to do? He came to rescue us from our sins. He gave his life For us, according to the will of God, uh, a, a will of our God and Father, to whom glory forever and ever. Amen. And so he starts it off and he's talking about who Jesus is, who he is, and then he goes into these different paths. And he's saying, There is a path in which one came to rescue you and free you and deliver you. And it is clear and it is marked out and it is what I have spent my life preaching. It is the true gospel. And he begins in a very corrective way as you skip down to to talk about a problem that exists. And he says this, he says, I'm astonished as I look at the churches and as I'm getting a report about you guys, you have so quickly, so quickly deserted the one who has called you to live in the grace of Christ, The true gospel. And you have turned to a different gospel. You've turned to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and they're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And so here's how we set this up. I want to look at this scripture right before that I thought is so fascinating. And so the churches are getting established, and Paul begins hearing some issues that are taking place in the church, and he starts off, and he's saying, I'm just so astonished astonished, that you're so quickly deserting. Who's deserting? Well, it's these Jewish Christians um, that are trying to make the gospel Jesus plus something else, and I'll talk about that here in a minute. It says you're so quickly deserting this gospel in which I've preached and I've taught, Well, you have to know they have a track record of so quickly deserting these things that God brings them out of. In fact, when you look in Exodus chapter 32, all the way back in the Old Testament, right after the people of God, these Jewish people were delivered, guess what they did? The Bible says they so quickly left that, they began to raise up golden calves and do all these other things and and leave the freedom and deliverance that they just received. And so Paul opens up this chapter and he's saying, "Hey, you too, so quickly are quickly deserting this gospel of grace, this right path, the true gospel of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel. You're turning to a different path which and I just got to tell you, it's it's no gospel at all." And so Paul is really fed up because the gospel that Paul preached was this. It was Jesus plus nothing. The gospel that was received and, and what Paul had experienced experience, and then went to plant churches and went to spread throughout this whole region was Jesus plus nothing. That it's, it's not Jesus plus go do 10 other things. No, it's faith in Jesus plus nothing else. That's the gospel. And so what's happened is these Jewish Christians are beginning to turn back to old customs they're beginning to turn back to to one of them which he'll go on to describe in chapter two and you can read that that is so crazy and it's this idea of circumcision if you have a child maybe a male child you understand what circumcision is In Acts chapter 15 when you look at Jewish custom there's this debate going on after the gospel has been received and they're going out to start these churches on whether or not circumcision should still be a part of the practice and they all agree no it should not. It's Jesus plus nothing, but here we are, the church has been started, and these these followers, these Jewish Christians are now turning to something that's saying this, it's Jesus plus something else to be godly. Jesus plus something to be holy, and so they're trying to circumcise like the new Christians that are coming in. Well, in Jewish culture, you're circumcised on your eighth day. I mean, that's not bad, I guess, as a child. I mean, it's not great, but you kind of have it and you forget about it. Well, imagine if you're a grown man. (laughs) I mean, that's a pretty wicked new believers class, right? Like, come on in. You said yes to Jesus? I should stop there. And Paul is frustrated. Rightfully so, because these, these Jews are telling new Christians, hey, like, like the core of following Jesus is Jesus plus something. And Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a vast difference between the gospel that I preached and what you're preaching now. There's a difference in these two groups. See, this, this other group that Jesus plus something we're used to, Jesus plus how you ate and how you dressed and how you wash and how you worship and all of this stuff. And it was Jesus plus cover up your tattoo and Jesus plus go don't do that. Jesus plus don't wear that. And Jesus, anybody ever been there? In fact, it's what's turned most non-believers away from being a believer. It's what has turned a lot of non-Christians off of becoming a Christian because they thought it was Jesus plus something. It's Jesus plus clean your whole life up. It's Jesus plus don't do that. Jesus plus don't say that. And Paul is saying, there is some things that and we're gonna talk about it next week. There there is a life of sanctification, there is a life of, of holiness. There, there's some things that God wants to cleanse in you and do through you, and you know, but but it's not do that to get Jesus. It's not Jesus plus something, the gospel. That's no gospel at all. It's Jesus plus nothing. And so Paul is frustrated and in chapter five I'll skip ahead. He says this, he says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. No value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets themselves be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law, which I came I came to Jesus. See, you have to know, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't abolish it, but he was the fulfillment of it. And he was saying, if you're gonna do this, you might as well go back to the old lifestyle. You might as well go back to this idea that I've never even came, that I did nothing. You're washing away everything that I did on the cross. You're trying to be justified by the law and you're alienating yourself from me. You have fallen away in doing so. From grace. For through the Spirit we so eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we have hope. For in Christ neither the circumcised nor the uncircumcised has any value. The only thing that counts is faith. Faith in what? Expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith in Christ that Jesus plus nothing is everything, that you don't have to achieve your way to salvation, it's faith that Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, right, that's what it is, it's that Jesus paid it all, he did it all for us, and so it's two mindsets that I want you to see, two approaches that we can have. When it comes to, I guess, answering the question, how am I going to be godly or how am I going to live this life? Two different mindsets. Well, there's one gospel, a different gospel that says I have to do more to get God, right? It's never enough. I always have to do more. I need to pray more and read more and give more and serve more. And if I do all those things, I'll be more godly. But the gospel says, no, no. You don't have to do more to get God. You just have to receive God through faith. The true gospel says receive what Jesus has already did. See, Jesus paid it all, and there's nothing that we can do to, to, to like, earn it. No, he did it all. It's a free gift. Our job is by faith to reach out and to receive it. See, the meanest... eh, I'll say it. The meanest Christians I know are the ones that read this thing all day long and then tell you it's Jesus plus something. And we got to stop. We got to stop saying, well, we turn so many people away because we don't ever help people understand. No, salvation is a free gift. We've got so many people coming in off the streets that if we're not careful, they'll turn away from the gospel because they'll think they've got to clean themselves up to get God. Not that they just get God and God will help them with the rest on the inside. See, there's two gospels. There's two approaches. Do more to get God or just receive the fact that Jesus paid it all. It says this in John 5 39. You study the scriptures so diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are not very scriptures that test these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. In other words, you you know about me, you've learned about me, but you don't know the God in which the scriptures have testified about. And so you've got those two things. And then you've got another approach. The different gospel says you have to try to earn God's approval, that you need to, you need to earn your way in. The true gospel says, no, just receive, receive God's love for you. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but if Jesus had a refrigerator, which he probably doesn't, but if he did, I wanna tell you something. Your picture would be on it. He loves you that much. See, Jesus plus something says you've gotta try to get God's approval. The gospel says, no, you just need to receive the love of God. See, when you understand this, it can change everything. Because while you were a sinner, guess what? Even in your sin, God loved you. See, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hebrews, I talked about it a while ago. He died for you and not only did he die for you, he counted it a joy. Because he loved you. First John 4:19 says this: It says, "We can love because He first loved us." See, Jesus loves you. One gospel is focused on the external. The other gospel is focused on the internal. One gospel says, you've got to clean yourself up. You've got to do all of these things. And then you'll get right on the inside. In the Old Testament, there, the, the, the laws, which we've talked about, the laws, the old way, were written on external tablets. In the New Testament, a transformed heart, a life through Jesus, guess what? The laws now are written on the heart. It's not an external thing anymore. It's a transformed heart that does something internally. And as something happens internally, it does change how things flow out of you externally. The Bible says this in 1 Samuel. It says the Lord does not look at things man looks at. Man looks at outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. See, the true gospel is understanding this, that you need to receive what Jesus has already done. He died for all of us. And you don't have, there's nothing you can do to earn that. It's just a gift that you get to receive. The true gospel says receive that. It says not only receive that, but understand that you're already loved. You're already approved by God. The true gospel says it's not about the external, but it's about the heart. And then lastly, the true gospel says this. The different gospel says you have to obey God out of duty, but the true gospel says, no, we obey God out of delight. And it's not a duty thing, it's a delight thing. Oh, do I have to go to church again? Do I have to? I guess I have to because I don't want to go to hell. I guess I should do these things because I don't want to get in trouble. And God is like, has anyone been to the Lincoln Memorial? It's like we imagine God. You know, there used to be these tracks actually that were passed out a long time ago, chick tracks. And it was like, pictured this faceless God sitting on this throne like the Lincoln Memorial, right? And sometimes we imagine God like this, this great big guy in heaven sitting on his throne, just ready to zap you, saying you're not doing enough, you'll never be enough. Get your act together. But it's not about obeying God out of duty or fear of something. But it's about obeying God out of delight. It's saying, no, I get to serve you. I get to read my Bible. I get to pray. I get to fall in love with you. I get to give. I get to serve. In fact, Scripture says this. This is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome how is that true how is his commands not burdensome well it happens when number 1 we fall in love with jesus see when you fall in love with jesus and you understand all that he's done for you his commands aren't burdensome it's just a different gospel A different gospel says, obey out of duty. Obey because if you don't, you're going to hell. The true gospel says, obey out of delight. That God loves me. He's approved me. And I want to serve him. I want to please him. Because I want to do it. The things aren't burdens anymore. It's not a burden to love my wife and not cheat on her because I love her, right? I love her. And so it's not a burden to me to stay faithful. It's a gift. It's a desire that I want to do because I love her. It's this internal thing inside of me that has a desire to love her and to please her. You know what I mean? And so the way you begin to live this true gospel Fall in love with him. See, the Bible says this in John 14, 15. It says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. You'll obey what I command. But you know, the wrong gospel says, the wrong gospel reads it this way. If you love me, you'll do what I say. The true gospel says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. See, which side of the comma are you living on? If you love him, his commands aren't burdensome. You'd be good. But you got to fall in love with Jesus. It changes everything. It changes everything. The second thing is this. Let me say this before I go on to that. You cannot fulfill the commands of the Bible better, or you can fulfill, sorry, the commands of the Bible better by falling in love with God rather than just trying to obey everything. This thing is a whole lot easier if you'll not just try to obey it, but you'll fall in love with Jesus first. Fall in love with him and you'll do what he commands. It'll be a whole lot easier. And when you don't, when you do mess up, anybody ever mess up? Don't allow condemnation to come in. Don't, don't allow this thing to come in that, that wants to put you back into the other gospel. That's really no gospel at all that says God hates you and he's mad at you and he doesn't love you anymore. But when you mess up, don't don't allow that. See, the the true gospel says, therefore there is no condemnation. I think N-O means N-O. For those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus has set you free from the other gospel. The law. It says do more to get God, Jesus plus something. He's saying, no, there's no condemnation. It's Jesus plus nothing. Just receive what I've done for you. And then respond. So when you do mess up, don't allow condemnation because that'll push you away from God. Here's what you should do when you mess up. Just respond to sin with life. Say, I'm not gonna let this moment push me away from God and tell me I'm bad and he hates me and he doesn't love me and he's mad at me and you know, he's thrown me away. He's not like everyone else in your life that when you mess up, they throw you by the wayside. He's not last, like that last relationship you had where you did something wrong and then you got the boot. No, it's like a father in heaven, like as a, as a father, earthly father. Think about it. There is nothing that my son could ever do. Nothing, 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 nothing that would ever cause me not to love him. There's nothing that he could ever do to cause me to push him away. To cause me to say, I'm done with you. You're a child of our heavenly Father. And there's nothing, guys, there's nothing you can do to cause him to boot you away, to kick you out, to say, I'm done with you. That's a different gospel. The true gospel is he loves you, And you can come to him with your sin. And if you'll do that, he won't be there pointing a finger of accusation at you. See, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to just say, you messed up, I'm done with you. Point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. No, he came to help. He came to to make the world right again. Jesus doesn't stand with an accusing finger. He stands with arms open. And as a church, man, I pray that we will never stand with accusing fingers like these Jewish people were doing to these new Christians coming in, saying, You've got to do this to get that. If you'll do this plus something, then God will love you more. Then you'll be more godly. As a church, we've got to really guard ourselves because we'll make it about Jesus plus something and we won't make it about Jesus and grace. And that's the story. God did enough. Jesus paid it all, no matter what you walked in with today. Maybe it's your first time here today and you were nervous as all get out to come to a church because you heard that you had to jump through all these hoops to receive the love of God. Well, guess what? You don't. Today, you can reach out your hands. You can open up your heart and say, God, I don't know how to do all this, but I give you my heart and I receive your love. And in that moment, by faith, you can receive the love of God. You can receive everything that he's done for you. You don't got to jump through 10 hoops. You don't have to get circumcised today. That's for sure. That's good news. It's getting a little tense in here. Remember the woman caught in adultery? She was caught in the act in scripture. First, he looked at her and he said, woman, where are your accusers? He said, neither do I condemn you. Man, may we be a church that won't judge people before they get in the room and won't judge people once they're in the room. But may we be a church that understands grace plus truth I'm not saying it's just all grace and do whatever you want and all that. I'm saying if we help present grace, if we help present Jesus, the truth that people need to receive, the the life that God wants to lead people into, a life of holiness and purity, all these things, it will come. It will come, but you won't get it without a proper understanding of grace. We'll talk about that in a few weeks what really is grace. So there's a way out to sin. It's saying God loves me and responding that Jesus came not to make me sorry, but to make me free. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't come just to make you feel sorry. He came to set you free. You can have sorrow in your heart for your sin. But may you allow that to to be washed away by the love of God who came to give you freedom. And that's the last thing. I hope that as you live the true gospel, you'll fall in love with Jesus. You won't allow condemnation in your heart. You'll respond to sin with life. You'll know that you can go to Jesus and he, as you repent, means as you just say, God, I'm sorry. Here's my sins. Here's these things that, that, that I know I shouldn't have done, but I did. As you give those things to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you. And as you live that life of not allowing shame to enter your life, but responding to life, responding with the true gospel, guess what? You can then live in freedom every day. And that's the freedom That is all throughout the book of Galatians that Christ came to set you free. You can live in freedom every day. You don't have to go back, guys. When you say yes to Jesus, you can get on a new path. You don't have to so quickly get off that path. Galatians 5, I close with this. So Christ has truly set us free. Now, Let's make sure we stay free. Let's make sure we stay free. Let's not get so tied up again in slavery to the law, tied up to the different gospel that says, it's Jesus plus something. No, it's Jesus plus nothing. And if you'll get God, you'll fall in love with him. All these other things, I promise you, They begin to work themselves out. Is it hard to follow God? Is it hard to have a relationship with Jesus? Yes, it is. If you're swinging over to the wrong gospel. This is super hard. And we've made it super hard sometimes by living the wrong gospel. So it's not hard. But you got to choose freedom and you got to choose the true gospel, not the different one that Paul is talking about. Because the different one, it is no gospel at all and it will lead to death. And so today, here's my prayer for you that you would receive the true gospel. Jesus has life for you and life to the full. This is going to be a great book for you to read. You're going to enjoy it so much, I promise you. This was like a couple verses, right? And so think about how rich it's gonna be. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do as you get this bookmark out. I wanna encourage you as you get it out. It's only like today was five verses. We already read them all. Go home and just two things, two things that I want you to do every day, okay? In a notebook as you read. Number one, answer the question, what is God saying to me? All right, what is God saying to me? So as you read it, what is scripture saying? And number two, answer the question, what should I do about that? So what is God saying and what should I do? And if you'll do that, I promise you, this word will come alive and there'll be some life change in your life this month. Can I pray for you? Would you bow your heads all across this room? Maybe you're in here today. You walked in and you thought I could never receive Jesus because he's mad at me and he doesn't like me because of all that I've done. Today, I hope I've presented the gospel to you in a way where you understand that there's nothing you could ever do to earn God's love for you. He just loves you, period. And so if you're in here today and you've been running from God because you felt like you were unworthy, you could never have a relationship with him, the Bible says you can enter relationship with him that all you have to do is call on his name to so believe in your heart That he came, he saves, saved you. He died on a cross. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead so that you could have freedom forever. And when you do so, when you respond to his love that way, through through faith, that's it. Through faith, just saying, faith is just simply saying, I believe it. I believe it. When you do that, so as you say, I'll be saved, you can receive the love of God. So today I wanna to encourage you to do so. If you're in this room and you would say, you know what, today I'm ready to give my life to him with nobody looking around. I'd love to pray for you. Love to lead you in a prayer. So with nobody looking around, so to be a private moment. If that's you today and you'd say, you know what, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus to receive his love for me. I wanna ask that you just slip up a hand have a little courage to do so, you just draw a line in the sand and say, today, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Let me pray for you. If you did raise your hand, would you just pray this with me? Would you say, Heavenly Father, today I receive your love. I repent of my sins and I give my life fully to you. I just say today I'm not turning back, but I'm choosing life. And so I receive you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen, everyone. Thanks for listening to the life Point Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text L-C-L-O-U to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.